So, uh, yeah, we're in a pretty awesome, awesome part of Acts, aren't we? Where we're, we just see the, the conversion, conversion of um, Saul of Tarsus to Paul last week, as, as Roy taught us through that. And, and um, I think just like, just that example, um, it just continues to ring out as we go through this. And we'll, as we dive into it, but so Saul went from, from being the, you know, the persecutor to the persecuted. And so we see him as that happens and he, and he converts and he changes and he's reborn. Um, we see, you know, he goes and he, and he instantly starts preaching in Damascus. Not instantly. That's not true. There was actually several, it doesn't really say it right here, but there was several year period before Paul, um, came back to do this but nevertheless he does and then he goes on to witness in jerusalem and and uh and he uh you know like as he as he comes to jerusalem and he comes to the disciples you know they're just like they're scared they're like no not this guy we know what he's doing it's a trick and and then we have barnabas the son of encourager who who just brings him in and like and, and testifies to the disciples for paul of saying no 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 he really um jesus met him on the road um, to Damascus and and changed him, and um, and so it's just uh, it's just one of the by far one of the most amazing conversions we've seen, just because um, the Lord just totally turned around and used used Paul radically through the rest of um, the New Testament for sure. And so we'll start in verse thirty one, and um, Rory left off, I think, past that, but. We'll go ahead and pick up right there, because it's kind of a it's kind of a summary statement in verse thirty one, um, of just how, you know, like individually and corporately the the church is continuing to continuing to spread, and um, and the body of Christ just everybody just just continues to go out and and continues to uh, be multiplied, to live for the Lord, and to, and to spread the good news of Jesus, right? That's the point of this, um, where we're at now, is, is that Jesus is being preached. Jesus is gone, in, but he's being preached as God. And so in verse 31, it says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord... And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. And we just have to continue to remember as we as we read these things, and we kind of we don't just blow over it. We really think about the words that are printed there in the in the Bible that we have. That you know they're being persecuted. Paul went from being kind of setting the tone of how to truly persecute to now he's being persecuted himself along with him, but it's. You know, what does it say there as that's happening? And there's no question in verse 31 here, we don't get an idea that persecution has stopped because it's talking about how it's being spread out to these these areas um, of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And so it says there, though, that the church, the body, they had peace and they were edified. Right? While, while being persecuted, they were still finding peace and being edified. And so it's just important as we as we think about that and we think about, you know, tough times for us or whatever's going on, um, that when we just stay focused on Christ and we and we just really realize that 
He is our, our, our peace and, and our strength. And we just have this faith where we trust his plan. It's, it's just like this. And I think it gets better as, we, as, as it goes on through that verse. Because um, it says that they continued walking in fear of the Lord. Okay, that, that was an action that they were continuing to do. Walking in fear and then also in comfort of the Holy Spirit. But those two things almost seem like they contradict each other, like opposites. But when we, when we um, just kind of understand what it's talking about of, of walking in fear of the Lord, um, we've, we've talked about it before. It's not so much of this father that is like, no fun. The second you're having fun, I'm going to come down, I'm going to squash it, and I'm going to stop it. Nobody, nobody gets to have fun. Like, that's how Joe parents, but that's not how God parents, right? And so that's not the case. What this fear, and we've talked about it over and over, but it's just always good to remember um, so that we can explain it to others as well as, as they hear of, of um, the words of the Bible and they, and they hear these, these wrong, or have these wrong ideas about God, is, is this fear is talking about reverence, isn't it? And when we think of reverence um, and, and what that means, it, it means like honoring and respecting. It means, you know, adoring. It means um, um, obedience to. Just, just like that's someone that you look up to and you love and you don't want to disappoint, right? Like that's what I'm thinking of when I, when I read to that and I think of that. So when we think of it like that, it's actually, it goes right with having this comfort of the Holy Spirit as well, in which that's what we've been learning about throughout the book of Acts up to this point of how the Holy Spirit is filling and has filled and continuing to fill and bringing comfort in people as they're going. Because right with it, there's constantly persecution in the, and the church is being spread out in this. And so it's just, it's just a really neat part right there of the summary statement of this, of just that peace and being edified during persecution and just having this fear of the Lord that brings this comfort that the Holy Spirit gives us. And because of that, the church is multiplied. The church doesn't go away. You know, it just continues to grow. And so praise God for that. And so in and of itself right there, because of that, like you could say that's a miracle right there. It's a miracle that, that people were continuing to be multiplied and live for the Lord in the persecution. And so... Um, Right here, when we go from th- verse 31 to 32, we're going to, I heard a pastor say like this, we're just going to put Paul, the Bible puts Paul on simmer on the back burner, and, and Peter comes up to the front, and we're going to use, and the Bible's going to talk about Peter for a while now, for a couple chapters, and then it'll go back to, to Paul as we go through Acts. And so, in verse 32, Peter hits the scene here, and um, it says, Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. Okay, this is interesting, because I don't know if you guys remember back in, in chapter 8 of Acts, but when, when Saul was doing his worst persecuting, when he was, when it says, the language was, where he raised havoc on the church, and it caused them to spread, it says there in like verse 1 or 2, it says, they all spread out except for the disciples, the disciples stayed. We don't know exactly why, what it was, but... When we see this, though, we do see a change in Peter here because he was just kind of staying in that spot. The rest of the disciples were being, the, the church and the people, um, they were disciples. They were, being, they were being sent out and scattered. But now we're going to see where um, 
Peter kind of gets sent out where he's going to go out. And it's almost like it's almost like a mission trip, right? Almost in these these parts of the um, around Jerusalem that are fairly close, really. So you could say like a short term mission trip. But we just see that change of Peter where he's not just staying at home base in Jerusalem. Um, we could totally assume that while he was staying there, he was still doing the Lord's work and and um, great things were happening. But now he's he's stepping out of that and he's starting to go out. And I think it goes right with where we're headed to go into chapter 10 where, and we'll see at the end of this, where um, Peter's going to kind of get out of the tradition of the Jewish culture and the law of the Jesus is just for the Jews, right? Now he's going to go out to the Gentiles in chapter 10. And so I think that that's like just flowing us and getting us ready of understanding that's where, that's where it's heading as, as it tells us right here that now Peter's going out. And so um, he's, you know, he's going to do a couple miracles here that we're going to finish reading out in chapter 9 here. And it's about some miracles that the Lord does through Peter. But isn't it interesting, like, so he, he goes out on these mission trips and then that's when you see these miracles and quite often like when um our church is sent sent out like to nepal and stuff they never come back from these mission trips and like say oh that was okay you know it's awesome amazing country and it was a long hike and all that like the lord moves and these people come back and they testify of what they physically literally seen happen Okay, so like we think about it now, these these um, we kind of feel like these healings and these stuff like like they're not as prominent as what we read about in the Bible and and um, but I just think is it do does it seem like that? Because it seems like to me too. But does it seem like that because we're not putting ourselves out there on these mission trips in downtown Polina, in downtown Prineville, in Portland? in tri-cities wherever like is it because we're not going out with this mission-minded attitude because right when, when we go out on a, on a mission and the church sends people out on a mission yes there's people that are involved at home with you know helping with financing and praying and all these things that it takes to make it happen no question um but when the people when you when you're going out and you're intentionally doing that like that's your mindset that's what you're doing you're you're going out specifically to preach the word of God. And so we see that like that's Peter's mission. That's what he's going out to do. As he leaves home base in Jerusalem and he goes out to these other places, he's out to talk about Jesus. And so he's, he, he's used mightily for that. So when we think about that, like I, I just, I got to tell you, like it was convicted me this week. It's been convicted me for a while, but definitely this week as I was, studying to teach through this, um, it was kind of hard at first, like, okay, it's another miracle. And I'm not belittling it. I understand <clears throat> all the miracles in the Bible are great. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm just like, man, it's another miracle. I don't, like, how, how do you relate this? How do you, how do you really um, make it relate, I guess? And, um, but it did for me as far as, like, this little part right here that I'm really hammering on is that, uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't do a very good job of going out in the in the community of Polina. They have Polina has a trap shoot or Polina has a dance, a New Year's dance, or you know, um, get together down downtown here. And I never go to it personally. I'm talking about Joe, and and I'm gonna get into this a little more later, talking about where that's just Joe's self. Like I'm thinking of self over others, and there's a great part of that later on in this chapter. But um, like I'm just not 
mission-minded, am I? Like, I'm just like, okay, Lord, you bring them into plant a church because I serve there. Bring them into church there, and then I'll, I'll do the work there. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm kind of, and don't get me wrong, I do think the Lord's using me here, but I feel like I'm putting it in the box that I want it to fit in because I don't want to go out in the community and maybe be a martyr. In the, or not martyr, I don't think anybody's going to kill me, maybe. <laughs> but uh, the mouth I have probably, but I just got an amen from Lonnie. <laughs> but... Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm just like self, like, oh, I just don't want to go. I just don't want to, you know, be around stuff that maybe is my old habits or whatever it is. And it's just like, those are excuses because I'm just thinking about myself and I'm not taking maybe this serious, like, like we should take serious. Like it's, this is historical documents of God's word that is alive, but to, to teach us today and to drive us today to live for him, right? To, Keep us along. Keep us going. And in that way, I'm falling short because I'm just choosing not to go out and, like, it's planning my mission. You know, I think Brandon's season's coming up. And, man, like, I wear Jesus' real shirt, but, it, like, that's about as far as it goes. And there's grace in that. And I know there's grace in that. And, and I just, I, I pray for strength in that. But I also felt like I needed to just say it out loud because now, hopefully... There's going to be some accountability. Like, I hope that like it's going to be drive of like, well, I said it out loud, and it's it's recorded, and Rory's going to put it up on the website or whatever it is as well. So now I got to start like I got to start going to the the town functions and be a part of the community and like make it a mission and make it. I got to be that weird guy, you know. Hopefully, the Lord can give me some balance in that, so I'm not already you know turning people. <laughs> I'm already there, so everybody knows Lonnie says. <laughs> I know that's true. Anyways, so like, I think that could be a word for all of us, I have no doubt, of like, mission-minded, day in and day out. Less self, more of others, more of others for Christ, you know, to love them enough to tell them about Christ. And so, um, and so, so that's what, that's what Peter's doing, okay? And, um, and another thing to note here in verse 32, where he goes to all the countries. It also says there at the end that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. Okay, the saints are speaking of Christians. He came down to Christians. That's what it's talking about when it says that. And now in verse 33, there he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Okay, so because we just read that, that he went down to see these saints, in, um, here we can assume that this guy that is, that is bedridden and paralyzed is also a Christian, a believer in Christ. And I think... I'm going to say out loud that this is this is kind of Joe's thought, but I think I think it I think it it works here as far as um, assuming that this guy is a Christian and a believer. This this um, this guy that's paralyzed. If you go back to Mark chapter two, you guys remember the story where Jesus is doing this same thing, healing a paralyzed guy, but the multitude is so thick. You guys remember where the this paralyzed guy's buddies knock a hole in the roof and, and lower him down in a bed so that Jesus can be healed. 
But what does Jesus say to that guy? Jesus says, the first thing he says to the, and he admires his faith, and they're dropping him down, and he says to the paralyzed guy, he says, um, uh, uh, be freed of your sins or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm totally paraphrasing that. <clears throat> he says, uh, oh, go on, sin no more, he says. He doesn't say, first thing, stand up and walk. He says, sin no more. And you know the dudes up on the roof are like, no, tell him he can walk. We have to hoist him back up if you don't. You know, and, and Jesus, is, and the first thing he says is, sin no more, right? So you can, we understand that this guy, which obviously even the guy in today's text is a sinner, but we can, we can understand that Jesus is making a point of change your life to this guy in Mark. But here, he doesn't say that. His first thing he says to him, that Peter says to him, is, you know, um, you're healed, get up and make your bed. And so, there's no question that Peter's like, okay, I've seen this firsthand, this is how we do it, but it also just shows us, and this is again, this is where I'm coming from, is that, like, that we can understand that this guy is a believer. And I just think it's important to, to know that part is just because this guy is setting an example. Oftentimes in the in scripture, when we see somebody healed of something, it can be just literally the guy got healed. But it also a lot of times is something for us to think about. So as far as just like Saul being um, being blinded and then the scales coming off. Same thing that Rory taught last week in John of Jesus making, spitting in mud, making mud, put on the guy's eyes, and then go wash it off and you can see. The idea is, so like Paul, he could see, but he was blind. He didn't, he didn't understand he was killing God and persecuting Jesus. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Is what he said to Saul, right? And the same thing with that, that image of the mud on the guy's eyes. You know, it's this idea of he was blind and then now he can see truth. He can see the truth of Christ. And so we can do that same thing here, this example this guy has of being paralyzed because he's helpless. This is the gospel we're going to talk about. It's simply what it is. This guy's helpless. He's paralyzed. And aren't we outside of Christ? We're absolutely helpless. Excuse me. Now, we all fall into this at some point or another, or still kind of do of this, um, this part of like not understanding the gospel where we think we have to do things to earn our salvation or, you know, we're good in heaven. I don't have to live by the Bible, but I'm a good person. So I can, and you guys have heard me say this stuff a thousand times, but guess what? It's the gospel. And that's, that's what we talk about when we're talking about the Bible and we're talking about Jesus. So, but that's what we see of this helplessness. That's what we are outside of Christ. And so it's even, it's just by God's grace. We need to understand that, I think, is what we can, we can think about here. Is just by God's grace is that we even understand that we are absolutely paralyzed and helpless without Christ. It's by God's grace in Ephesians 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, where Paul says, by God's grace through faith that we are saved, Right? If it wasn't for His grace, we wouldn't even know that we need it, that we're sick and we need a Savior. Okay? And so that's what we get. Like, we can just get out of this, this healing. Absolutely, it's a miracle. And we want to see that and, and just all the things with that of be going out and being used and God using us to perform miracles to further His kingdom so other people will come. But it's also just an understanding of the gospel. And, and that goes, I, this all just goes together with 
Paul understanding it, and now he's a new person, he's reborn, right? Same thing with us. And so, um, so that's what we're looking at as far as the this guy that was paralyzed and bedridden, you know. And so the other part here that is very good to understand and realize, and just like maybe a little, I don't want to say, I say lightly when I say ammo in our pockets as Christians, and we're we're evangelizing, we're talking to people that have that um, maybe come from a different religion or something. Is look at what what uh, Peter does here. Like he totally puts this off on God and wants no credit for it. Because Peter says, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. He doesn't say, I, Peter, and Jesus, or I, Peter, command you to stand up. And that's important because there's religions that think Peter is some kind of almost equal or has abilities that God has. And that's just not biblically true. And we just see a a clip of that right here. So we can just put that in the memory bank. We're like, what about this? Like, Peter doesn't say anything about himself. He just says, Jesus, do this, right? He's very clear about that. And there's, and then on to verse 35, I just, this is amazing, you guys. One little word that we shouldn't miss. So all these people that dwelt in Lydda and Sharon, Sharon, all of them, it says, all who were there saw him, this guy that, was, that um, Peter healed, God healed through Peter, and turned to the Lord. It says all of them did. That's a radical movement. Isn't that, that's, that's impressive. It's amazing. So let's go on, let's read another miracle. That's, a, that's another miracle that happened there. And let's, let's go on to the next miracle. Okay, in verse 36. Uh, it says, At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Lonnie? Yeah, this is my middle name. <laughs> well, then that means your name is Gazelle, actually. Okay? Because, uh... <laughs> so, Tabitha in Aramaic means gazelle. And so, so then the same translation in the Greek for um, Dorcas means gazelle. And so, you know, it's just, you know, maybe this gal was super fast or something like that. They, they said also it could translate that she had beautiful eyes like a gazelle. I think that's where Lonnie's name, name comes in. Um, you can't stare at him too long. It's it a little awkward. So, anyways, maybe for the, um, uh, what is it, maturity level of this group, we'll just go with Tabitha. You guys know I'm talking about Dorcas, okay? We'll say Tabitha. Okay. So this woman, Tabitha, she was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay to coming to them. Then Peter arose and went to them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Tabitha had made while she was with them. But then, or but Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed and turned to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when 
she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her, hand, gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. This, this part here, you guys, like I just want to, like we should just think about Tabitha and, and what it says about her here right out of the gate. It says that this woman is full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Okay, this is, this is evidence of being reborn. This is evidence of, of being a Christian. She was doing these things. And there's no correction here in her doing it. There's no rebuking. So we can take it to the bank and trust that she, it was the Holy Spirit in her doing these things. By grace, through faith, the Ephesians 2, because I, I didn't read that part, it goes on to say, not of works, right? And so, so I just, I want to talk about that. I want to, I want to talk about, about what James talks about when people are, when in the book of James, people were just quick to um, be proclaiming that they were Christians, but showed no fruit of it. Right? And so, because of that, and James is like arguing with her or talking with them, and don't we know people like that? I mean, and I'm not, I'm not sitting up here like bashing them. Like, I mean, that, that, should, that should break our hearts and like have a desire. Gosh, you guys are missing it. No, you're missing it. When Christ lives in you, this Holy Spirit, the most powerful thing in the world, lives inside of you. You're going to be doing things for the Lord. You're going to be doing these little mission trips. You're going to be feeling convicted because you don't go to the planet get-togethers, Joe. Right? So what, is, what does um, James say when he's talking to these people about this stuff? In, in James chapter 2, um, verse 17, he says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. And you're like, wait, what? We just discussed that works are dead. You can't get salvation through works. Okay, but he's not talking about that. He's talking about this grace, faith, then the works come out. And he goes on to tell them, which I love this, you guys. You should remember this forever. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And James goes on to say, when he's talking to somebody about this, and we, you guys, again, like think about it. We know these people like, oh, I have Jesus in my heart. And I, I don't need, nobody else needs to know that. That's between me and Jesus. Well, James is going to kind of knock that one out of like, actually, you only exist to tell people about Jesus. So if Jesus is in your heart, he's coming, he should be coming out of you. And so um, James goes on to say, but someone will, or he'll say, show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. So don't we see that action in that in Tabitha? Before she, they, they specifically put that in there, that that's how she is before she dies. It's constantly, Jesus is saying that you're going to know people by their fruit. He constantly says, you're not going to walk up, and this is Joe's paraphrasing, you're not going to walk up to an apple tree and see the apples on it and call it an orange tree, right? Like, it's an apple tree because it has apples on it. That's, like, that's what's supposed to be showing out of us. Like, because what happens is when we don't have that difference, when we're not producing fruit and we're just saying we're, you know, even if we're not saying we're Christians out loud, let's say, then we're no different than any other nice person on the street. 
Nobody can tell the difference. They're just like, oh, that's a really nice guy or that's a, that's a really nice girl. But when these fruits are coming out of us and our mission is to tell people about Jesus, hey, some people don't like apples. It doesn't mean they're going to like it. But that's what, that's what we're supposed to look like an apple tree and produce apples. Dustin's probably a plum tree. Because they're, they're better, is what I mean. Yeah. Um, but he produces plums, you guys. <laughs> Does that help? <laughs> His name is Dorcas, for sure. Oh, my goodness. So... The point is, you guys, is um, Dorcas, oh, I didn't mean to say it, Tabitha, <laughs> she was, a, she was a, um, a servant to people, wasn't she? She, she believed this, this um, idea that Jesus taught us of, of putting other people first and, and thinking of other people before herself. And so doesn't that sound like, we just went through Mark, doesn't that sound like the, the key verse of Mark of, of Mark ten forty five, where Jesus said, um, "The Son of Man came to serve, not be served." Right. So, what do we see nowadays? We see, do it yourself. You know, go get these things of your own, your own self. If you if you're down, you need to, you need to um, go through these step programs and and get this counselor to convince you that you know you just need to love yourself better and all these things. Well, the problem is that's against what Scripture says, and. Look, I'm not saying we need to beat ourselves up and hate ourselves, but that, that finding that strength in self and all that stuff, that just needs to come through the Lord, doesn't it? You know, that's just, that's where the world is going. And it's nothing new. It's been going on since the fall, literally. What happened in the fall? They ate in there in the garden, Adam and Eve, and they ate the stuff. And what did they instantly do? It was her. It was him. Like they're totally save, like throwing the other one on the bus to save themselves. And so it's, it's nothing new, but we do see it getting worse. And, and um, in 2 Timothy, when Paul is kind of is like prophesying more towards the end times of what to expect before Jesus comes back, um, he says in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, For men will be lovers of themselves. And again, it's nothing new, but don't we see it more and more? Like that is our culture, like self, 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 take care of self, blah, blah, blah. And we're all guilty of it. All of us are. And he goes on to say, Paul, when he's talking about this, he says that um, they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, un- unthankful. Man, don't we? This is the silly little thing, but like when you stop and you're like, wave someone to drive out before you when you didn't need to, and they just like, Look at you and drive off like you owed it to him. Yeah. <laughs> like this, like you're so unthankful. What's your problem? I could have kept going. You could have waited. That's some issues that I struggle with. I don't think you're supposed to make it about self when you're teaching, but I definitely am today. Okay, um, and you guys are all agreeing with that. Anyways, okay, and it goes on in verse 3. Unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. Boy, that's a big one, isn't it? Without self-control. But it's okay. It's about self, you guys. You deserve all this stuff. You deserve a good life. Brutal. Despisers of good. You know, it's... 
when that back to that Ephesians part where it says, you know, um, that it goes on to say, I didn't read it, but it, it says that, um, so not of works, right? And then it goes on to say, because you'll, essentially it goes on, because you'll boast. If you're doing this on your own, somewhere, somehow, some capacity, you're saying, patting yourself on the back, saying, good job, mm-hmm. right? So back to this other part of here of self, and just that's where we're going. Like, you guys, we can't, if we're outside of Christ and we're not trying to just push Christ in our lives, and we're not giving him the credit and the glory for being good to other people, like like she like it says that this Tabitha was there's somewhere in us is like even if we don't say it out loud god knows right and we're and it, we're trying to like take that glory and feel good about it it should just be praise to god any good thing that comes out of us guess who gets the credit god does and it's just a good place to be because it keeps you from thinking not I don't, you know, I, I don't need to live by the Bible because I do all these good things. I'm a good person. It keeps us, it keeps us protected from that when we're just like, oh, praise God for you came over and dug out my septic tank. Like, oh, praise God, praise God when someone says thanks, right? So it's it's just this constant safety net just to to go there, just just to let that be our focus, and it's another good way to like for people, someone to know like. No, 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 I just, I do this because I'm a Christian. I just, praise God, I don't want the credit. That could be an end to talk about Jesus. Who knows? Like, it, I mean, it's just all good practice. It's, it's a good thing. And, you know, just as we, um, as we're just thinking about that, you know, it also just, it just brings me to, uh, back to the beginning in Genesis as well. You guys, like, this is a, and this is going to be a struggle of ours probably, one of the main struggles for each and every one of us here. It is for me, and I could boldly say for you guys too, I can say it with some authority and confidence that it's true. It's a problem for you guys as well because it started back in Genesis like I talked about, but let's look at it a little farther in Genesis chapter three where um, they've ate the fruit, they've chose themselves, and here comes God walking through the garden and they hide themselves because they realize they're naked and, they sit, and God says to them, you know, like, hey, why are you hiding? And they're like, oh, well, because I, I was naked. And what does God ask them? How do you even know you're naked? So what do we see in that? They, they, were in the, the, they were in the presence of God, right? That's like, that is so incredible. And they, at that one point, they were so pure that they didn't just burn up. They had no sin, right? Because like right now, if I was to be in the presence of God, I'd, poof, I'd be toast. But they, they took their eyes off of God and they looked down at self. And it never stopped since then. Since then, that's us. Ever since. And it's always going to be a struggle for us. But what's the good news? The good news is coming back to this, Jesus. Jesus, show me. What What did Peter do before he went in to heal that gal? It says the first thing he did was got down on his knees and he prayed. So I think, yes, these are miracles and these are amazing stories to know about the Bible, you guys. But... I just think it is a great word for all of us and where I can say it's a problem for all of us because it's been since the fall and because of the fall we all get we're born with it is that we need to be hitting the ground praying like, man, Lord, I'm not going down and making a point to talk about you at the Plina events. I'm not at the, at the brandings. I'm not making a point <clears throat> to 
to talk about you no matter the cost. And so, Lord, will you help me do that? And you guys, here's the other part of this, what we're learning as we're going through Acts. Aren't we learning church and community in one accord, in one mind, together, multiplying? So here's what I want and I challenge you guys to do, and I want it because I love you guys, is how about call each other up or talk to each other after church or come ask me or come ask Dustin or whoever you're comfortable and say, pray for me. Be real and say, look, I'm just, I'm lazy. And I'm going to say, I'm going to name Joe's stuff here. I'm, I'm just lazy. I'm a chicken. I, I feel the, the, the pull on my heart and the tug, but I'm just not ready to let it go. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to keep doing these other things that I, I think are going to kind of band-aid it and help it. But really what the Lord wants from me is his all to go do these things that Peter's doing. To go, it's a blessing if we get to see these miracles. Like we're used, and we're used to plant the seeds into water, but the crop's not for us. But when we get to see the fruit, we get to see the crop come to full. Like that's just a, that's a little teaser, a little blessing the Lord gives us to say, good job. The Lord can say good job. We don't need to say good job to ourselves, right? And so I just, I just think about that guy and I, this, you guys, and I just think about Paul as I'm going through this, like Paul's transformation at home group this week. It was, I thought it was awesome because just, I'm just thinking about Paul and, and just, man, he knew the cost more than anybody of going and proclaiming Jesus. Nobody knew it more than Paul because Paul, like, he didn't invent it, but man, he like perfected persecution against Christians. He was, he was the man. And so there's no way he didn't know in intimate detail what was going to happen for following Christ. And when he was converted and saved, he knew what was coming. and He did it anyway. And that's not just a story to say, oh, that's a nice story. That's for us today. That's for each and every one of us today. To want to put other people first. Husbands, put your wives first. Love your wives as you love yourself. Wives, same thing. To your neighbors, same thing. What did Jesus do in Mark 10, 45? He came to serve, not be served. Right? So that's, that's what I encourage us in this, you guys. And just a little, just to finish up in, uh, in verse 42 and 43, and it just kind of um, goes along with it in this, this, this change in Peter and this, this direction that we need to be denying self and going towards. And uh, in verse 42, it says, And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord because of this last miracle. And then 43, it says, So it was that he, so it was that Peter stayed many days in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. And then it just shuts off in like verse 10. I mean, chapter 10. Seems interesting. Okay, well, the tanners back in this Jewish culture, back in this day, if you were a tanner, you were scum of the earth. You dealt with dead animals and hides, right? We're also, like I just said, we're about to go into where Peter's going to go get out of tradition and get out of the law, and he's going to go start telling Gentiles about Jesus and that they are they are loved by Jesus and can be saved by Jesus. And so what is... What does Peter do? He just, the Lord is constantly humbling that guy, isn't he? Constantly. Like, 
throughout Scripture, we see him rebuking God, rebuking Jesus. And then we even get to hear where he's, he goes and he doesn't just talk to this tanner. He stayed many days. And it's just more of the same thing that's up in verse 31 of mission trip. What's our mission mind to anybody and everybody? Going out, telling them about Jesus. That's what we'll leave off, you guys. Um, you know, the I just love it, the, the cross. We think of the cross and we have a necklace and a trinket and all that stuff, and that's great, and earrings. And, um, but, you know, the cross is, it's an instrument, instrument of death, isn't it? That's what the cross is. And what does Jesus say? Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Die to self. Paul believed it and he knew what was coming and he, I mean, he's the guy, right? So that's what I encourage us, you guys. That's what, that's what I pray for us is that we would just believe these stories. We would, they would be real in our minds. I pray that, I pray that we would say, Hey, I need, I need prayer because it's not working the way I'm doing it. I'm really not seeing a lot of change. I'd like to see a radical change. Like we're, we're going through here in the scripture. That's what I'd like to see in myself. Come, come together as a church, as a body of Christ and ask for prayer. The Lord will meet us there, all of us. Where we're all in this, this pit of self that I'm talking about. So praise the Lord, you guys. Let's pray.